Would you bow your heads in prayer? Lord, as we begin this journey with you to the cross, as we encounter you in word and sacrament, help us, Lord, to understand how you have encountered this world on our behalf. In your name we pray, amen. I don't know if any of you have seen it. There's a mini-series on Netflix about the Unabomber. Remember him? And all I can think about when I watch that show is this guy living deep in the wilderness of Montana, where it is always cold, in a one-room cabin, no heat, no electricity, no running water, no internet, no TV, a little bit like Texas this last week. I think to myself, who can live like that? You've got to be nuts. Right? I mean, maybe I, I could do that on a retreat, on a vacation for a couple days, but to live that way? Shoot, we were 22 hours without electricity, without all that stuff, and I was going nuts. Got to be nuts to live like that. And then I opened the text for this week, <laughs> and guess where Jesus is? Off in the wilderness. That's right where God takes him. And, it, and, it's, and it's, almost, it's, it's surreal because one moment, Father is speaking from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And then in the very next verse, what does he do to the son with whom he is pleased? It says the Spirit immediately drove Jesus into the wilderness. Not Satan led him. The Spirit not led him, drove him. The word literally means through him out into the wilderness. Is that any way to treat your beloved son? Why? And the answer is, is really simple, folks. God sends Jesus into the wilderness because that is where you and I live. That's, that's where... Man has lived since the fall into sin. The very first people to be driven out were Adam and Eve. Genesis says God sent him out of the garden. Think about Abraham. 75 years old, retired, living a nice, comfortable life in the place where he's always lived. God says, come on, you're going to go live the rest of your life as a nomad, a person without a home in a foreign land that maybe 500 years from now I'll give it to your descendants. 
people of Israel. God frees them from slavery in Egypt and leads them right out into the wilderness where they lived for 40 years. And most of the ones who left Egypt, all of them except a couple guys, died in that wilderness. David, anointed as the next king of Israel, defeats Goliath. And Saul comes after him, and out David goes to live in the wilderness in a cave. Elijah, the great prophet, wins his great victory on Mount Carmel over the priests of, of Baal. What happens? Queen Jezebel is angry, wants to kill him. God takes Elijah where? Out into the desert. Happens in our lives too. Man in my first parish named Jack Clamert. He lived first half of his life as a prosperous farmer, active churchgoer, good man. And then rheumatoid arthritis hit. And he lived the rest of his life crippled by that arthritis and in pain. Think of a young lady. Married nine months, really happy. And then she got the phone call that her husband had been killed by a drunk driver in the middle of the day on the interstate. Spent the next years in a wilderness of grief. I remember 1996, mom and dad had moved near us in Texarkana. We had a nice church. I was working on my doctorate. Our family was all there by that time. And then just a couple of days after Ash Wednesday, dad died. Think of what you all have been through this past year. Since last Lent, with the pandemic and the economic worries, some of you are here today for the first time since, since last Lent because of that pandemic. It's, it's been like a wilderness, hasn't it? It's because that's where we live that the Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness. That's why he came. That's the only way. That's the only way that Jesus could ever save us. Listen to these words from the reading from Hebrews. Therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that, and this is that hymn we just sang, he might become a merciful and faithful high priest of, in service of, to God to make propitiation. That means atonement. That means to pay for the sins of the people. See, in the wilderness, Jesus encounters everything you and I encounter. In the wilderness, Jesus encounters our loneliness. 
You know, that's a literal translation of the word for literal. It literally, of, of, of wilderness, it literally means lonely place. And it is said that loneliness is the real pandemic of our culture. People are lonely. People don't know their neighbors. And just because you have a thousand friends on Facebook doesn't mean anything. Those aren't really friends. And Zoom is no substitute for face-to-face. They say the biggest thing that men in our culture struggle with is loneliness. Not having other good male friends. You you understand that's what sin does, right? Whatever your hurt, whatever your hang-up, Whatever your habit, your sinful thing in your life, and it's different for each of us, whatever it is, you and I sit there in that habit and we think, well, if anybody else knew, they wouldn't like me. They wouldn't understand. Or they'd reject me. Or they wouldn't wouldn't want me. Or I'm probably the only one who has this problem. And so we isolate. Think how that's the biggest thing I've heard. When I talked on the Young at Heart things, and when I looked at Pastor Bauer's list of people he was calling during this past year, biggest thing, being isolated. Feeling lonely. How good it is that Jesus enters into our loneliness. That he, the first place he goes, is to the lonely place. That he goes there that he might make and keep this promise. I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, that's a promise he keeps. And one of the ways in which he keeps it, folks, is by giving us each other, this community of faith. It isn't always, but this is supposed to be the place where we can come and admit whatever our hurt, habit, or hang-up is and find people who understand. He puts us in this place to make us part of his family. You know what Stephen ministry is? Stephen ministry is people coming to walk alongside you at the lonely moments of life. Whatever they are in your life. That's Stephen ministry. You know what small groups are? That's a place to make friends, to get to know one another, Well, you know those people will care about me. They'll pray for me. They'll look in on me. They'll be my extended family. 
You know, folks, that's why this week the lay ministers, the deaconesses, phone ministry, Matt and Beth were calling people. That's how Jesus comes to us in the wilderness. Into our loneliness. Through each other. Secondly, in the wilderness, Jesus encounters our temptations. <laughs> That's why the Spirit led him in the wilderness. The Bible says he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. Temptation is what happens in this world is what happens in the wilderness. The people of Israel get out into the wilderness and they're no sooner out there and they are tempted to complain again and again and again. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? Elijah he gets out there and he's feeling sorry for himself, right? That's the temptation for him. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, he says. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to the sword, and I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Jack, Clamath, the man I told you about, he was tempted to have doubts. Pastor, is God angry? Is my faith just too weak? Is he punishing me? I asked questions. God, why would you move dad here and six months later take him away? I don't know if I can handle it without him. I remember a good friend whose wife had cancer sitting in my office. Pastor, I am so angry with God. I'm the older one. I'm the one who should be sick. Why is she sick? Jesus goes out into the wilderness to experience our temptations. And he did, right? The other gospels tell us, if you're really the son of God, Jesus, why are you starving yourself? Just tell these stones turn themselves to bread. If you're the son of God, let's see if he'll take care of you. Jump down. He'll catch you, right? If you're the son of God, why do you have to go to the cross? If you worship me, Satan said to him, I'll give it all to you. He endured all that for your sake and mine. For because he himself was tempted, suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Love this passage. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we, we have one who has been tempted in every way as we are. We have a Jesus who knows exactly what your struggles are, knows exactly what the temptations are in your life because he's been in the wilderness. He's walked around in your shoes and therefore, knowing him, knowing he understands, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, God's throne, and find their mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. That's the kind of God 
you and I have. Finally, out there in the wilderness, Jesus encounters our enemy. Text is real clear. He was being tempted by Satan. That's why he was out there. That's why he was born. That's why Jesus lived. That's why he died. I love the passage, the first verses that we read in Hebrews 2, since the children share in flesh and blood, that's you and me. He, Jesus himself, partook of the same flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who were held in lifelong slavery by their fear of death. You ladies and lady fishers, on Monday night you're studying the armor of God from Ephesians 6, the armor that God provides us for our life in the wilderness, the armor that God provides for when we face the enemy. I want you to think about that armor for a second. If you understand that Ephesians is all about the body of Christ, you understand that it's not armor for you to wear by yourself. We put the armor on as a church, not as individuals. If you know any army, then they wore these armies, Roman soldiers, you know how they put the armor on? Someone else helped them. You, you ever see any movies of somebody parachuting into enemy territory? What do they do? They check one another's parachutes. The armor of God is a community gift. It was purchased for us by Jesus. At the cost of his own life, in his battle with the enemy. In fact, the armor is Jesus. The breastplate of righteousness the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the belt of truth, those are all Jesus. And he provides it to us in baptism. And like the old hymn says, each piece is put on with prayer, right, from onward Christian soldiers. And you know, because Jesus went out and fought that battle in the wilderness, we find in the wilderness what he found there. You know what he found? God. Mark concludes his little section on the time in the wilderness by saying the angels came and ministered to him. Isn't that amazing? And so it is that in Jesus we find that in the wilderness God is here. He's here in his word and sacrament. He's here in the community of faith. He's here in the water of baptism and the manna from heaven he gives us with bread and wine and holy communion. He's here in the wilderness walking with us, strengthening us along the way. See, because Jesus encountered the wilderness for us. It's here in the wilderness that we find 
and encounter Him. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.